Tina Tatakato, Yehuma. So good to be here with you tonight. Oh, I love this church. Absolutely love this church. And um, yeah, I just feel so privileged and blessed to be here. Um, and yeah, can we give it up for these awesome musicians? Aren't they incredible? Yeah, I was quickly shooting off to the bathroom, heard my name. Oh, better go. So I ran, so I feel a bit out of breath. But, all right. Thank you, Lord, that I can be here tonight. Um, increased conference. Oh, my gosh. I'm excited. Um, I'm pumped because I just think that that lineup is so good, and the conference here is amazing every time. I've traveled across to other countries for, for conferences worse than that. Like, like with, a bit, with a way better lineup than that, you know, that lineup is actually epic. And so to have it right here in your own church is just amazing. And um, I can't wait for it. Um, and like, uh, like you heard, I'm just over the bridge, over the other, other side of the city there. And um, so cousin, you can call me cuz if you like, um, or bro or whatever, <laughs> uh, tama, um, but yeah, a church over there called Tekainga C3 Church, and we've been doing that for 14 years. And um, so blessed to be doing this alongside this church in this city, and to have cousins, brothers, sisters across the bridge, and all the support and love that uh, Tessa and I just feel from you guys is amazing. Um, so yeah, it's my joy to be here. Uh, I'm going to preach from a very obscure kind of passage, uh, 2 Chronicles 17 tonight. So this morning I had a message, I was planned all, all week, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to preach this, and got excited. And then this morning, as I was getting ready to go preach at North, I felt like God said, no, preach this story. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like as in, oh no, I'm going to have to work a lot harder today than I'd planned. Like, And so then I was driving, and then I was like confused, I was driving out to North, and I was like, God, was this message for North? Or was it for tonight or, or where? And so I got there with these two messages at North this morning. And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, which one am I preaching? Lord, speak to me. And then Sean came over and goes and said the exact title of the message that I preached there this morning. So that was cool. So as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, I'm preaching that one. <laughs> so this is the one you guys get. And hopefully it's, uh, hopefully it's good too. Um, <laughs> No, okay, God's here, and I'm sure he wants to speak to all of us. So 2 Chronicles 17, and uh, we're going to look at just the start first, but we're going to look through. It's a massive story, but we're going to break down, you know, what this is saying to us tonight. So 2 Chronicles 17, 1 to 6, Jehoshaphat, and um, his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord, and furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that 
you know, this is written so long ago, but even today you would speak to us right now here tonight, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for the message that you have given and the message that you'll speak through me, Lord. I pray that you help me to speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Any uh, pregnant people here tonight? Oh, yeah, a couple here. All right, so Jehoshaphat, have you considered that for a name? Jehoshaphat? Good, don't. Um, <laughs> especially if it's a girl. Um, I just don't think it's quite the name. But Jehoshaphat, it's an interesting name. Jehoshaphat had a father. His name was Asa, and, but, you know, before him was David, and um, we know that David was a, was a king who sought God's heart and tried to lead God's ways. But his father had not led that way. His dad hadn't led that way. And so coming from a father who is wicked to all of a sudden being a guy who is living for God and ruling a nation for God is no small thing. You know, it is an awesome thing though. And no matter what has happened in your life and where you have come from, God can change it in a moment. And God can change the path and the direction of your life. It does not need to go in the same path that your family, your parents, or anyone before you has gone. You can decide and you can make a decision to choose God and follow God. And that's what he has done. He has decided, I am going to lead this nation of Judah to the Lord again. And he does it. And it's a beautiful thing. And so you can draw the line in the sand and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. No matter what it went before, I'm going to serve God. And if you do that, there's a beautiful reward for serving the Lord. There's a beautiful reward. One day we might see that, you know, it might not look so great here on this earth, but one day there is a great reward for those who serve the Lord, who honor God and go after God. So even if this life doesn't necessarily work out how you thought it might, if you serve God, you are promised an incredible future in heaven and eternity with the Lord. And so that is worth whatever this life brings. And so anyway, he honors God with his life. And, and what we see is God honors him. And I love that, that you, when you see someone that lives for God and you see how God works out in their lives, it's an amazing thing. The Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat. He had great riches and honor. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms, it says in verse 10, all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. If you can live your life doing that, I, I believe God will honor you in such a great way. If you honor God by seeking Him first, putting Him first, that has been my life scripture for my marriage is seek first God. Let's try and do our best to seek God first, to put Him first. God is not mocked. You know, we, we often think that like it's just, Oh, why is bad stuff happening on things? And all? God is not mocked, the Bible says. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Whatever a man sows. And we often just talk about that like the bad stuff that we sow. We're going to reap bad stuff. But it's also true of the good stuff. You know, the good things that you do can produce good fruit. 
They will, and God is not mocked. So, in other words, you can't go to God and be like, God, you know, man, I'm just so disappointed. I'm getting like, you know, like apples from this tree, and I wanted bananas. And he's like, well, hold on. What are you talking about? That is an apple tree. You can't get bananas from an apple tree, okay? And that's what he's going to be like. You can't mock him. He's not going to be like, yo, yeah, oh, you got it wrong. Yeah, you got it right. I, I messed up. I don't know how to do it. No, no, no. If you sow certain things in your life, you're going to reap certain things. And did you know, and I was thinking about this on the way, did you know you can sow careless seed? You can sow careless seed. You can reap careless fruit. How? Well, by sowing careless seed, by careless words, thoughtless deeds. You know, I recognize this. I never intended to have pumpkins growing in my Fijoa tree. Has anyone had rogue pumpkins growing around in their garden? No one? Yeah, I see their hand. Yes. Pumpkins that just growing around in my garden. They're in the, in the Fijoa trees. They're all over the place. They're on the fence. They're going everywhere. I never intended to grow pumpkins. But what did I do? I carelessly threw out some seed. I carelessly threw out pumpkin seed into my compost, missed the compost, and it's there. And I'm growing pumpkins. I didn't intend to, but I'm growing pumpkins because I carelessly threw it out there. And so you can carelessly throw things out and you can carelessly reap. Like you can reap these things. You think, I didn't intend to do this. But hey, if you live your life unintentional, if you just walk around, just, ah, whatever, it's all going to go, you'll reap from the whatever. You'll reap whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. And here in this story, we see him honoring God and God honoring him. Next thing. So yeah, maybe first point, who um, honor God and he will honor you. Number two, who you align your life with matters. Okay, it's an awesome, chapter 17 is awesome. Jehoshaphat is going so well. It's going awesome. Judah, you know, there's two nations at this time. You've got Judah, and then to the north you've got Israel. It's two nations. They're split. But Judah is living for God. Israel isn't. Israel is uh, got another leader, and um, Ahab, I'm trying to remember it, Ahab, and Ahab is wicked king, and he's not living for God. Okay, but we find at the start of chapter 18, it says this. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and for the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, my people, as your people. We will be with you in the war. You know, it just seems like it would be in a Scottish accent. You know, I am as you are, my people, as your people. We will be with you in the war. Hey, so he makes this alliance, this marriage alliance. With Ahab, he married, his son marries Ahab's daughter, and they make this alliance. And, and when Ahab says, let's go up to, to Ramoth Gilead, let's go up and fight, take these guys on, 
Are you with me? He's like, yeah, bro, I got your back. Let's go. We're one. Hold up. A godly king and a wicked king. Why are they making an alliance? Why do Christians make alliances with non-Christians? These packs that like, you see it all over the place where they get together and they think that God is going to be honored in it. Live for God. The most important alliance you can make is with God. And that's the alliance that you need. What has light got to do with darkness? Beyond this alliance, what is the most important alliance you can make? Marriage. Like this agreement to live with one another and to go after God together. So you see it all the time, people that marry stupid. Sorry, if you married stupid, I'm not talking to you. No, just, but you know that you meet people and you know people that just married stupid. It was like, what are you doing? Does this person love God? No. Oh, and one day I'm going to convert them. Come on. Yoke with God, like be connected together. Galatians 5 says it this way. You were running well. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 2 Corinthians 6, which I haven't been reading this week, and it's so powerful. Verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from the midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Can I get an amen? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You're the living temple of God. How, what a privilege. When you think of that, like you, you're not just the temple, this big building, this massive building that was in these days. You are the holy of holies, the very special part of the temple. The the very presence of God has chosen to make his home in you. Why corrupt that? Would you walk into the holy of holies in that temple and start trashing it and bringing idols in there? You wouldn't. So why would we do the same with the temple that is us? God lives in you and I. And so these partnerships, these alignments matter. The people you hang out with matter. Sorry, the title for my message is The Company You Keep. The Company You Keep. And so, you know, he's going well, Jehoshaphat, he's doing good. And then all of a sudden he makes this partnership, this agreement to be with Ahab and to go with Ahab and do what Ahab's doing. I'm so thankful for the good relationships in my life that have helped me. One of those is, is my relationship here with Ellen and Eleanor Hood. You know how blessed I feel because of that relationship? 
You guys have got the greatest pastors. Such beautiful, amazing, generous, loving people who have helped me in so many ways over the last few years. And I'm so blessed. These relationships that enrich your lives, you can have them. And you can also have relationships that destroy your life. In Proverbs, it puts it this way. The companion of wise men become wise. A companion of fools are destroyed. And so who you hang out with matters. It's important. It really, really matters. Young people, who you marry matters. It matters. It's so important that you find the right person, the right person, a person who loves God with all their hearts and serves the Lord. I've been so blessed by my marriage to Tessa because she's a woman who loves God with all her heart. She is passionate about God. She's passionate about the people of God. She's passionate about the church. And she helps me, you know, and hopefully I help her by keeping my passion and my fire for God as well. We can help each other. So, yeah, who you align your life with matters. It matters significantly. And so Ahab in this story and Jehoshaphat, they make an alliance. And then it says in verse 4 to 7, And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I might not have given you this one, I'm not sure. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Oh, that's a good thing, shot Jehoshaphat. At least you got... You remember that, but inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord who, of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Micaiah, the son of Imla. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. I don't know. He just, just when I read that, I just think that's got to be how he sounded in that moment. But I hate him. He just never prophesies anything good about me, just evil. Oh, you know, so he gets all these prophets, all these people to come, tell him, you know, should we go? And all these yes men, all these people who are just like trying to please the king. They're like, yes, go. Yeah, you're awesome. Yo, yeah. So good. You know, it's good to have cheerleaders, but make sure they're sincere. Make sure they're real. Make sure they actually have your best intentions at heart. If you've got prophets in your life, make sure they're actual prophets. They're hearing from the Lord, and they're, they're saying what the Lord speaks with, with, conf, with boldness and courage. He's got a guy who says the truth, and I don't want to hear from that guy. <laughs> Do you want to hear the truth? Is your, are you prepared for the truth? So many people just want to hear the good stuff, but you've got someone in your life who's going to just say to you, Nah, bro, you're off track, man. Nah, don't do that. That's stupid. Have you got someone who, when you when you th- say, oh, I'm thinking about dating this girl, you can be like, nah, bro. Dude, does she love God? And you're like, oh, no, but she's hot. Nah, what are you doing? You crazy. 
you know, you've got some people that will speak the truth into your life. It's important. Where you like this guy, Ahab, he's like, oh, yeah, there's this guy, but I hate him. <laughs> he always says the, he always says evil things. <laughs> he, isn't, he isn't cheering me on. And so Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. And, and so that's my third point. Ask God. Have godly counsel. Have godly counsel in your life. Find the people who will speak the truth, who will say it, who you can say, hey, seriously, tell me, what, what do I need to change? How can I be better? What, what do you see in my life that's holding me back? Find somebody that's so important. And so, yeah, he's got all these guys. He's surrounded himself with people that are just cheering him on, but no one that will say the truth. And so this guy, other guy, Micaiah, he's off in, a, in another place. And so he sends a messenger to go and summon Micaiah and bring him. So Jehoshaphat is like, nah, there's something off. I like that Jehoshaphat, you know, could tell there's something off here. He's not just like, oh, yeah, you got, fo- you got all these guys here. They're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This doesn't quite feel right. They're all saying, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Where's the, where's the real truth? And so, you know, you got to listen to discernment. You gotta like go. Is this is this legit? If it doesn't feel quite right, probably isn't. Uh, I've learned to I've learned to trust my gut over over the years. Or what I I would say is probably discernment and just going. I think this is not quite right here. And so he goes. I want to see this guy. And so the messenger goes out to get Micaiah. And the messenger in verse twelve it says, "And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him." Behold, the words of the prophet with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them. And speak favorably. Like, hey, I'm going to coach you. All right? Okay, whatever you do, don't go and say some dumb thing. You know, he already expects you to go in there and be like doom and gloom and stuff. Just go in there and cheer him on. Come on. Be good. Just do the favorable thing. But Micaiah said this, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. I love that. What the Lord, as the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. Oh, thank the Lord for those people. They don't always say the thing you want to hear, and it hurts sometimes. Sometimes it's painful to hear it. But thank God for people who will speak the truth, what God says to them, and not just say things to be popular. It's okay. All right? Be unpopular. Standing for Jesus is unpopular today. If you haven't noticed, we're the most hated group of people on the face of the planet. Like you stand up and be like, oh, I'm a Christian. You're the only people the world has free reign to mock and tear down. You try and do that about another people group, it doesn't happen. Any minority, we're a minority in this group, we stand up and say something Oh, dumb Christians. Christians have got nothing good. Yeah, useless, whatever. Don't listen to them. They can mock you as much as they like, it seems. It's unpopular. But even if it's unpopular, speak the truth. If God says it, speak it. If God's telling you to do it, do it. Especially if it's unpopular. Because I just think we're in a time and a season in this age where we need people to stand up and just be real for God. Just be real for God. Choose Him you serve and then serve Him and stand for Him. For the time is coming. 
It says in 2 Timothy 4.4, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Ahab set his life up with yes-men, teachers that suit his own passion. But there was a guy who would speak the truth, and he ignored him. It says in 1 John 2, 3 to 6, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In Matthew 5, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. To be great in the kingdom of heaven or to be great on this earth. To be popular on this earth or unpopular on this earth. To be popular on this earth is just to go with the flow, say what everyone else is saying, just say the thing to be cool or say what people want to hear. But to stand up for God and speak the truth takes guts, it takes boldness, it takes courage, but it's the right thing to do and God will honor you for doing it. You'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus leaves little to no room for middle ground. It's either hot or cold, dead or alive. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through me. That's it. No better option. It's his way or the highway. And I think Christians are pretty good at trying to find that middle ground. Try to find in the comfort zone where you can be Christian and yet popular with the world. Be fitting in in the world. Take the world, take God, and fit in the middle somewhere so that you can just, you know, be all good. Not disliked, not hated. (laughs) But if they hated Jesus, they will hate us. And churches are pretty good at preaching middle messages. The good, easy, comfortable life sells. It fills churches. It says, you know, what you want to hear. Sometimes what God has to say sounds harsh, sounds hurtful, sounds like it's, what the heck? And it hits you and you're like, man, the conviction is not always pleasant. It's not always nice, but it needs to be said. A bit of this mixed with a bit of that, boom, I'm comfortable. God fits into my life. And aren't we all a little like this? What parts of Christianity work for me? Which parts don't? How can I just blend in? But Jesus says, be set apart. Die to yourself. Deny yourself. And I'm sure that does not sound comfortable, but it's the best life for you. Because, you know, God actually promises a party. You want to go to a party, God promises it. The world offers a party. But you go into the world and you go with the world and you find out this party is actually a funeral. It's like this dead on the inside. But you go to the party of heaven, you go to God's party, and it's actually epic. 
but the way into it looks like a funeral because he's saying things like this, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And are we willing to do that? Are we willing to part? Are we just going on? I've got to make everyone in this world happy. I've got to please these guys. I've got to please these guys. I've got to find that comfort zone. But Jesus saying, be set apart. We say things like heaven. Yeah, I'll take it. Awesome. Heaven sounds awesome. Tick, get out of jail card. Woo! Miracles. Oh, yeah. A genie in a bottle. Sounds brilliant. All right? You mean I just can, like, you know, get a little miracle here and there, just pray a little prayer, and boom, miracle. Yeah, sounds good. Tick, I'll take that. Forgiveness of sins. Yes, please. Oh, yes. I like a bit of forgiveness. As long as I'm not realistically expected to forgive those nasty people out there. You know what I mean. Take, take that. Church, oh yeah, sure. When there's nothing better on. We're not feeling like it. Good, take, take the church. Praying, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, I'm just a bit, bit busy at the moment, so not much time for that. Bible, yeah, good to hear it on Sundays, but really, like, I'm such a busy lad. Such a busy lad. I don't have time to read the Bible through the week. Serving, hmm, maybe, but what's in it for me? Giving, giving's good, but is it really, is it, it's really not something I can do yet until I'm rich, you know? One day when I'm rich, I'll start giving. <laughs> Sounds silly, but, you know, this is sort of what I see often. Jehoshaphat was going well with the Lord. He makes an alliance with Ahab and goes off, off track. He, he, he compromises on things. He's like, oh, yeah, it's all good. I just made this line. It's probably good for us to be aligned. And they go to battle. And in this battle, in this battle, what does Ahab do? Ahab dresses like he's not the king and gets Jehoshaphat to dress like the king. And what does the enemy want to do? They want to take out the king. And so they go after Jehoshaphat. Because he aligns with this guy, he goes into battle with this guy, the enemy goes to try and kill Jehoshaphat. But what does he do in the moment of desperation when they're coming to kill him? He cries out to God for help, and God helps him. God rescues him, even though he's made this dumb agreement and got himself into the dumbest of situations, hanging out with a guy who's just listening to 40 guys going, yeah, you got this? And then he's like, oh my gosh, I'm about to die. Cries out for help. God rescues him. And Ahab, who's hiding in a chariot, an arrow flies out of nowhere, gets him and kills him. Or pops him up on the chariot. They put him there and he watches for a while and then he dies. So Ahab gets killed. Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mention. The guy comes and says to Ahab, um, Mateus, or how do you say the name? He comes and he says to Ahab, Nabal, God says, you're going to die. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Don't go. Like, and still he goes. And sure enough, he dies. But the crazy thing about it is Jehoshaphat was with him. This guy who, the wicked king, I understand it. But the godly king, why? Why is he with this dude? And sure enough, he uh, you know, is lucky to escape with his life. And it says in, in chapter 19, Jehoshaphat, that uh, the king of Judah returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. But Jehu, the son of Hanai, the seer, went out to meet him 
and said to the king, Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Wow, burn, man. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asheroth out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. And this is this cool verse. Jehoshaphat lived at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Sheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. So he repents. He comes back, and he decides, I am going to get this right. And he turns the people to the Lord again. And so if you found yourself partnering with this world, living compromised, living half-hearted, you know, attached to ungodliness and, and living that way, repent and get things right. And what we see in Jehoshaphat's life is he does this and the fruit of doing this appears. The fruit of following God again and God honoring him for this decision to come back. It's there and it's awesome. And, you know, there's this enemy that comes against Jehoshaphat, against Judah. And, oh my gosh, it's like this incredible miracle that takes place. They pray, they fast, they seek the Lord and God fights the battle for them. God brings about a great victory. They're praying, they're fasting, they're like crying out before the Lord. And the Lord says, don't you worry about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort this out. You turn up at this place and I'm going to wipe them out. And they turn up and this enemy have been defeated. It's an awesome thing. You can do it the world's way. You can do it God's way. But God's way works out. It works out one way or another in this life or the one to come. It'll work out if you follow God and serve God. The world's way does not work out. I tried to live the world's way and it left me broken, depressed, hurting. Desperate Francis, I, I was promised a party. I was promised life. And it ended up being depression, suicidal, crying out, God, if, you, if you're real, help me. And that changed my life. Crying out, Jesus, if you're real, help me. And he rescued me, saved me from depression, rescued me from the suicidal thoughts and, and this oppression that was all over my mind. I, every day for three years, I woke up thinking, man, there's no point to my life. There's no point to my life. There's no point to my life. Living every way the world told me to live. Waking up thinking, I should just end my life. I should just end my life. Filled of darkness. See, I was promised a party, but it led me to a funeral. I'm full of darkness every day, waking up, thinking there's no point. Should I get out of bed today? And half the time I didn't. I just lay in bed, staring at the ceiling, thinking, just end your life. But Jesus Christ, when I decided that actually he's here, like maybe I should cry out to him for help, like Jehoshaphat did in the desperate situation, and cried out, Jesus, help me. And he helped me. He rescued me. And he will help anyone who cries out. The Bible says all who cry in the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. And so I cried out to Jesus. And the next day I woke up and all depression had gone. The Bible says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Well, I woke up the next day as a new creation. 
And I'm not saying that's the way that God does it every time or anything. He's actually very unique to every, every one of you. He'll work in mysterious ways in each one of your lives. And he'll, do, he'll work out your salvation in, in an amazing way. But for me, I went from death to life in the night. And he renewed my mind. And I woke up the next day knowing that God was real. He had a purpose for my life. And I've set about trying to live for that purpose. I've failed along the way. I've sinned along the way. I've made bad mistakes. I've partnered with wrong people along the way. But every time I repent and turn back to the Lord and get it right, things start to work out. And it's a good thing. And so if you're away from God, repent, turn. You're going one direction. Repent means to turn and face the other direction. Face Jesus, face God, and move towards Him. Jehoshaphat repents, makes things right. But again, we find that he does the same thing again. He goes and aligns himself with the king of Israel, a wicked king the Bible describes him as, makes a partnership. They build some boats. They plan to go to Tarshish. But a prophet comes and says, no, what are you up to? Because of this wicked agreement, I'm going to destroy these boats. And their boats are destroyed. And that's how his story ends. And he dies. And he's buried. But the story doesn't really end there because Jehoshaphat has a son. And what did Jehoshaphat do for his son? Did he set him up for godly ways? No. He aligned his son to marry Ahab's daughter. And because of this marriage alliance, it says, because of his marriage to Ahab's daughter, he serves wickedness. He, he serves the, the gods of the Canaanites. And so these decisions that you make actually have significance, not just for you, but also for your kids. So my point to you tonight, honor God and he will honor you. And you see it in his life, Jehoshaphat, the times where he honors God and puts God first. God honors him. Things go well for the nation of Judah. When he steps away, doesn't turn out good. Number two, who you align your life with matters. Make sure the people in your life are people that are going the same direction, the people that are walking with you, helping uphold you, you're helping to lift them up. Make sure you've got people in your life that will speak the truth and you'll be willing to obey the truth, not just hear the truth, but to obey it. We're so blessed to have the truth here have the Bible, to be able to look at this and find the truth. But if it, if it just remains words on a page, if it just remains in here, it doesn't get into us and we obey it, it won't work. Obey it, live it, do what it says. For when you've gone off track, repent, get it right. Follow Jesus again.